Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. With me is my frequent, now frequent, <laughs> co-host, Mr. Jason Squire. Thank you for joining me again, Jason. Always a pleasure. You might notice, if you're watching the video of this, which not many people do, and I don't blame you, most people listen to this, but if you're watching the video, we are in at least partial Halloween costumes. This is going to be a special Halloween episode because it will drop on All Hallows' Eve. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Squire loves Halloween. So he's not only just a regular great guest to have, but especially for this Halloween episode. First, we usually start with some good news up top. We actually start with some sad news today, which is fitting for Halloween. (laughs) If you... If you, I think Jason knows where I'm going with this. Because again, Jason doesn't know what we're going to talk about until we start talking. But if you've listened to the other episodes, Jason has been on with me. Yeah, I think each time, the, the last few anyway, we've talked about the Royal Fork Buffet. Absolutely. Our unbridled passion for Royal Fork and their buffet food. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about it on the last episode... We never actually looked up if it was a chain <laughs> or, <Nope>. <laughs> or if there was just one of them in Mason City, Iowa. Until after the episode. Yeah. So after the last episode, we did a little research. Instantly afterwards, by the way. Yeah. Like, we, we hit stop and then we were Googling. Yes. And I know that's what everybody tunes in for is your Royal Fork news. So here's the, the latest on Royal Fork. So the Royal Fork Buffet started in, I'm going to say, Pocatello, Pocatello, Idaho, in 1967. At its peak, approximately 50 locations. One of which was in Mason City, Iowa, where I grew up and you lived near. Frequented often. Yeah. We, we definitely <laughs> went to we went to the Royal Fork a lot. But the sad news, we discovered that the last Royal Fork Buffet closed August 2nd, 2020. Crushing. Yes, yes. Crushing news. Crushing not only that such a a franchise has, has ended, but also... We were so close to it. We could have gone. We could have went. Could have gone to another row of fork. And it was a victim of COVID. Like so many other businesses and people, the Royal Pork Buffet. So we got this news from SiouxFalls.Business online, online media page that talks about Sioux Falls, yes. South Dakota business. That is where the last Royal Fork was located, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. There was an article written by Rosemary McCoy titled Royal Fork Buffet to close permanently. And it appears they had the last Royal Fork. It was attached to the Empire Mall in Sioux Falls. (laughs) Excellent. They had to close down for a short time during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic. Then they reopened, but like a lot of restaurants and businesses in general, we're seeing only about half of their usual patrons 
So they decided to close permanently. The last day ever to eat at the Royal Fork Buffet was August 2nd, 2020. Thoughts, Mr. Squire? I broke that news to my sister because if there was a fan of Royal Fork, more than us was my sister. Oh, man, I feel bad it for was, her. It was a very long expletive. Um, I feel like we need to somehow get like a petition going. So like how we got Surge back, how Crystal Pepsi came back. How Dunkaroos came back. I feel like there needs to be a push. A Royal Fork push. And I want it to be back in Mason City, Iowa. (laughs) I agree. Nostalgia is big right now. Absolutely. And I don't know how big the public outcry will be for the Royal Fork. (laughs) Because stored in Idaho, I'm assuming... it. It just felt like a very... I know it's not Midwestern, but it felt like a very Midwestern yes. chain. So it makes sense to me that Sioux Falls, South Dakota had the last one. That's what I think is funny. It's like, it started in Idaho, but its last door, sure as heck, wasn't left in Idaho. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. they, even Idaho was like, it's time to move on from the Royal Fork. Yeah, it, it feels like it had to have spread from Idaho down through the Midwest. But yeah, I would like to... or. I feel like this isn't the end of our Royal Fork journey. <laughs> I kind of want to see if we can contact someone affiliated with that Royal Fork in Sioux Falls. Like, maybe maybe we can get the sign or something. Like, That'd be awesome. Like the green and gold Royal oh, Fork man. sign. Maybe we can get it. That'd be the new, <laughs> the new backdrop for the podcast. And again, Dave Royal Fork. <laughs> we are wanting our interview still. Yeah. Yeah, say... Started in 1967. I don't know if the original founder would be around, but somebody, somebody from that era has to be around. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe somebody who was bussing tables at the original Royal Fork, something like that, or whoever had the Mason City franchise. Oh. Let us know. We we want him. <laughs> Put the word out to everyone you know. If you were affiliated with the Mason City Royal Fork, we'd like to have you on the podcast. <laughs> we just spent a if, lot if you, of time talking about Royal Fork. If you carved ham at the Mason City Royal Fork, we want to talk to you. Alright. So, so that's, that's a little bit of sad news at the top of the show. Moving on, we got to do some good news at the top of the show. One, one of the reasons I do the good news at the top of these shows is... I like to highlight people who are doing good things, and it also just makes me feel better about the world, because there's a lot of stuff in the world that is sort of crushing and depressing and divisive, and I just like, it's it's like the Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. In bad situations, look for the helpers, so I like looking for the helpers, and I found a Halloween-specific Nonprofit organization this week. Nice. And it's called Spirit Halloween. You can find what they've got going on at spirithalloween.com. The the way I kind of interpret it is the parent organization is called Spirit of Children. Founded in 2006. Looks like they're based out of Harbor Township, New Jersey. But their big thing is this Spirit Halloween. 
and they bring costumes, decorations, and donations to children who are in hospitals all over. That's awesome. So that they can still have a fun Halloween. It looks like looks like they've done a lot of other things and raised money in, in different ways, but their kind of big thing is the Spirit Halloween. And I just like that. Children's hospitals is something that any anything with children, anytime children are sick or in pain, that like anything really gets out. me. Yeah, yeah. It yep. really bugs me. I like to donate to organizations like Saint Saint Jude's Children's Hospital and stuff like that. Of course, here in Iowa, the Iowa City Children's Hospital, University of Iowa Children's Hospital, is a big deal. So I like anytime people are helping. Anytime people are helping kids because kids. Not that anybody who's going through a health problem really has a choice in it, but kids especially. It's like, it just seems so unfair yes. and, and, and so sad. So I like that. It's nice an extra boost to help them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Are they affiliated with the Spirit Halloween stores that pop up like fireworks stands? <laughs> that is my interpretation. Okay, yes. that's really cool. Good yeah. for them. I need to do a little bit more deep dive. And sometimes I find an organization I really fall into it and deep dive it seems that because you could on their website on the spirithalloween.com you could order costumes and do all okay. that stuff too so i believe it's affiliated with that the the costume store and that's kind of why this is their big focus but it's this spirit that's of really cool spirit of children they fundraise and and it looked like even during the pandemic at the height of it they were sending packages, care packages and stuff to hospitals. and Pretty cool. I like that. There you go. The next thing, usually we talk about our family time, our social-emotional learning curriculum for the week. Not going to spend a ton of time on that because I want to talk about some more Halloween stuff. And I'll do a separate video and audio for the family time if you're somebody who checks out the social-emotional stuff. But... We're back to responsible decision-making. Nice. And we're talking about social pressures. Specifically, things like how peer pressure can impact decision-making. That's obviously an important thing to address with our students in school. But do you have anything off the top of your head where you remember as a kid where, like, you kind of fell into peer pressure or maybe even just social norms where you felt like, I gotta maybe not be my authentic self because I'm trying to fit in in some way. I talk with the kids a lot in like sociology, psychology class. When I I specifically remember my sister telling me when I was in eighth grade, and she's like, "You're gonna be in high school next year. You gotta dress nice. You gotta <laughs> look a certain way. You know, it's." And I just remember when I was in school, brands were so important, mm, and just mm. the. Having a certain type of jeans at the time. My freshman year, I want to say it was like guest jeans were for for everybody. And I just, and I hate jeans now, which is so funny. But I just remember it's like, oh, I better have the jeans that everybody has. And and I like the fact that now I think our students are very comfortable just wearing what they feel like wearing, Mm -hmm. which is good. Um, But I just remember that in high school. My first few years, just remembering feeling a little more pressure that way. Junior and senior year, I kind of did what I felt like, but that, but I remember at the time, shout out to Mr. Tyler, but it was always like, 
it was gym clothes or for gym class. Like, we couldn't wear just gym shorts to school because he wanted to make sure everybody was, you know, like, having proper hygiene and, you know, changing for that and everything. And I think about that now, like, man, that would have been great if I could have worn just shorts (laughs) all day. Mostly what our students wear. But I just remember, you know, it wasn't necessarily overt pressure, but it was just that I got to fit in type of pressure mm-hmm. with, with that type of stuff is something I remember. So I'm, I'm glad it doesn't seem like there's as much pressure on our students that way or they don't feel it the same way I think we did. But Yeah, yeah I, I do agree with that. I think there's still some of that. I also think the pressure has shifted, too. There's some of like this, like a social media trend or like yeah. those sorts of things. There is some pressure to sort of be in on those things and, and to avoid the FOMO, the fear of missing out. So yep. I think that's a different pressure. And I think that is part of the reason the younger generation is so attached to their cell phones and social media. And I'm not knocking that, but I think that fear of missing out is a much bigger pressure than we face because... We grew up in the era where you would you call your buddy's house and if they didn't answer, you just didn't see him. Yeah, yeah. And that was the way it was. But I, yeah, I do think the brand thing was maybe a bigger pressure when we were in school. I think of like specific things. Growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in before we moved to St. Ansgar, some of my friends I would maybe hang out with and. They didn't always have a lot of adult supervision, <laughs> so we'd kind of be running around doing whatever we wanted to do. And I, one friend in particular that I think about, we were good friends. Not a knock against this guy; I haven't talked to him in years. But I would always kind of find some trouble when I was hanging out with this buddy, and it would be stuff of again, not that he was directly goading me to do something. One time I remember, it must have been early or late in the winter, and there was like a creek that we were kind of playing around on, and it wasn't totally all frozen. Like it was, the ice was frozen, and we were walking around on it, but it was not safe to be (laughs) on. And there was kind of a floating chunk that had sort of separated. I don't remember if. If he kind of dared me or if we were just talking about whether we could do it or not, but see if you could jump on this floating piece of ice and then get to the other side, which is not very smart. <laughs> yep. But I, I remember <clears throat> thinking that situation like, my mom would not be very happy <laughs> about me being on this thing, but I kind of maybe more pressured myself, but it was like, I don't know. If he's going to go down the, the frozen creek, I got to, too. I yeah. better do it. And then I was the one who jumped on this frozen piece of ice that then tipped. Huh. And I went partially into the water. Luckily, I did not go all the way under the rest of the frozen ice. or would have been curtains. But I kind of went partially in the water and was able to scramble back out onto the more solid piece of ice. And then we tried to hide because knew we'd get in trouble yeah so i think we went to his basement and didn't even for whatever reason because we were kids we i was elementary age didn't think that maybe i should take off my cold freezing clothes and just wear some of his or something yeah 
So we just sat in the basement and I just like froze. I was so cold, soaked water. We just sat down there and I think we tried to pass the time and take my mind off being cold by playing the original Mortal Kombat. I think he had the original Mortal Kombat. I, I didn't have that. So I think we played oh, that. Oh, that would get the blood flowing right there. Yeah. But then eventually I got in trouble. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I did. I have several stories like that. But I don't need to spend a long time on that. I'll do a separate video for the social pressures. But that's what we're talking about for family time this week. Then my blog post for this week kind of ties in with the Halloween theme. It's called Embrace the Darkness. Sounds maybe more intense than it is. But I was thinking about times like when I was a kid and I was scared of things, like being scared of the dark or something like that, and how I reacted to it. So first, do you have any memories from when you were a kid where you specifically remember being like scared in the dark or scared of a certain place or anything like that? Not so much as a kid, but I think I've told you this before, like even like when I first started teaching and the North Springs old high school, mm-hmm. the light switch was in the middle of the building. <laughs> so I was telling you that after basketball games, I always want to conserve power to help the school out. But as soon as I shut those off, all I thought about was Halloween 2 <laughs> and when Michael Myers is in the hospital. And... Grown man at that point, 23, 24, but I just remember that would creep me out. But it's like, I'm gonna battle through this. But it, uh, you know, it's, I'm not afraid of the dark, but sometimes the dark can be startling. Mm-hmm. Um, working in a school now, it's different because we have the safety lights. Oh, but I remember in, in our in our current school, like when there weren't safety lights, a school's a really creepy place at night because of like. For us, a boiler system and things like that, just things creak and crack and then that type of stuff. But but as a kid, um, I guess I can't think of any specific one. But I mean, we were probably exposed to scary movies younger than our kids are now. And remember, you know, maybe being brave enough to actually like watch some of it versus hiding behind the couch and hearing some of it. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is... This is more of a startled fear, but the being in a dark school reminds me. So I started out my teaching career as at Edgewood Colesburg. I lived in a house that was one house away from the school. So on the same street, there was the school, one house, my house. And I was coaching a lot and really busy, so I would go and do classroom work late at night. It'd be like 10 o'clock at night. I would go back to the school and be working on stuff. And... (laughs) The night janitorial staff would sometimes leave like our loading dock doors open just to let air in or mm-hmm. whatever, and bats would get in the school. Oh boy. Just sort of occasionally. One morning there was one outside somebody's classroom that we had to trap and get out of there. But I would occasionally go on the school and there would be a bat flying the hallways like doing laps and it's all dark and everything one night i remember coming into the school i'm i walk into kind of the main you walk right into the main commons areas and then there was a hall that we go down and head to my room and i see this bat flying right away and already it's a little ooh, little spooky kind of flying around but i go to my classroom i do my stuff 
And I'm not thinking about it when I go to leave. I'm walking out, not really thinking. I get right up to the door to exit. And it's the door where you got to push the bumper in the middle of it. And the bat had landed right on Ugh. the bumper there. No thanks. I, I didn't I didn't touch it, but as I went to press the thing, the bat flew up in my face and didn't touch me, but flew up and then took off. And I should have asked to see the security footage of the front door because I jumped back just swinging at this at this bat. So things can can still be startling. Yes. But talking about being afraid of the dark is what I was kind of writing about. And my first thought was, I was never really afraid of the dark. It's the fear of what the the dark dark might be hiding. Yes. And I do remember being a young kid and having kind of, again, probably because we watched some movies that were not age appropriate when we were young. Yep. I could always find a cousin or somebody who would be watching. My mom was pretty on top of things, but I could usually, family members or friends or whatever, watch whatever. And kind of having those fears of monster or something. And doing the, the little kid thing where you pull the blanket over your head and you're convinced that the blanket will protect you from all evils that might be lurking under the bed. And I was thinking about how I tried to get over that fear. And for me, it was forcing myself to kind of face it. Mm -hmm. Like forcing myself to pull the blanket down. And my self-talk would be very much... I would try to convince myself that... Not that those things weren't real. like Not that there weren't monsters or vampires or whatever. But that those things should be afraid of me. Like, I was going to be the baddest thing in the dark, and they should all be afraid of me. Not that I really believed that, but that was kind of my way of psyching myself up. And I think some of the earliest times I remember of using, like, self-talk to Mm -hmm. be like, oh, no, you're just going to be impervious to these things. Even if they are real, it doesn't matter. And I think I used that a lot throughout my whole life. Like, in high school... I would get up early in the morning when it wasn't a morning I was lifting at the school or doing something like that. And I would run down our gravel road. My folks live out in the middle of nowhere, quiet gravel road. And there's a cemetery pretty much exactly a mile from my parents' driveway, this little cemetery. All the headstones are over a century old. And I used to mow that cemetery, which during the daytime, didn't really think anything of it. But... In the wee hours of the morning, when it's dark and there's nobody out on this gravel road and it's just empty cornfields, I would run to that cemetery and back. One, because I knew it was two miles and I ran there and back. But also, because I didn't really want to run to the cemetery, because it was spooky and doesn't really matter how old or tough you are, I was like, this looks creepy. Oh, yeah. Looks like something out of a horror movie. But I would kind of use that like, well, that's why I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself run out there. And then that became sort of a a thing I really enjoy. I still like to run when it's dark, when the streets are empty, hike trails and stuff when it's dark because it is kind of creepy and eerie and you're just alone with your thoughts. 
So th- that was something that for me became a big part of just overcoming any fears I had in life. You have anything like that where you had like a trick to overcoming things that you were nervous about or afraid of? I'd say when I shingled, I realized I wasn't afraid of heights as much as I was afraid of ladders. <laughs> because in my head, I was like, on the ladder, it's tilted enough. I can see that I'm going to fall in. <laughs> yeah. And it will not be good. So I would actually climb scaffolding straight up because mm. I couldn't see what was below me. Oh, I was more comfortable yeah, with that. Yeah, and everybody yeah. would laugh at me. It was like, I'd much rather climb the scaffolding than, than ladder. But that's where I just told myself, you're not afraid of heights. It's not the heights. It's the it's the fall, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, right. so that was kind of my thing, just trying to help me with that. So, like, to this day, I always thought I hated heights. It wasn't. It was just getting up there was the, <laughs> was the process. But Well, that brings up a good point. A lot of our fears are not necessarily... Not necessarily what we're actually afraid of. What we think we're afraid of isn't what we're really afraid of. Like heights is a good example. It's the, if we laid a board on the ground, you could walk across it and be fine. If you put it 20 feet up in the air, it becomes more different. You put it 100 feet in the air, it's a whole different thing. So, yeah, it's the fear of the potential negative outcome, which doesn't always come to be. It's the, the quote from Seneca, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. So, there you go. That's a little talk about uh, embracing the darkness. Next, we'll do our normally do a brought to you by some thing I made up. <laughs> this we're going to do a dedicated to. And this episode is dedicated to all those Halloween heroes who are handing out full size candy bars. <laughs> we, we salute you. Agreed. Anyone handing out full-size candy bars, tip my cap to you. Do you, do you remember trick-or-treating as a kid and like the houses that would hand out the full-size candy bars? Absolutely. It went in order of full-size candy bars, hmm. whoever hand out any Reese's. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Snickers. Mm-hmm. Any candy, like a Milky Way, anything, the Three Musketeers, those types of things. Tootsie Pop Suckers, I was okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we got to the popcorn ball, the like the sugar daddies, I think is what oh, they're called. Yeah, that's they're not... just too chewy for this guy. Yeah, not um, for me. And apples, but yeah, no, it was, I'm going to give a shout out right now. For a long time, Bill Perry would would hand out the and it was hey we got to stop and see Bill. So yeah, if you're not local to St. Ansgar, Bill Perry runs the bowling alley and the bowling alley would be a good stop. Which I I never really got the trick or treating experience here because we moved to St. Ansgar when I was in sixth grade. So my my prime trick or treating years were in Mason City where I grew up, and of I have this large sprawling family so a lot of it was going around to my family members but then our kind of entire north end area where all my family lived and stuff so that was always a great experience and we would usually church trainings changed a lot since when we were kids a lot (laughs) (laughs) where 
like this the trunk or treat things and going to the business uptown, I think is great for kids, but uh, there is something lost. And it may just be being old and nostalgic. Running the town for four hours, getting as much candy as possible. Agreed. <clears throat> yeah. So, you talked kind of your rundown of candies. Obviously, any full-size candy bar is great. But then would you say the Reese's is your top? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, but the Reese's Pumpkins... Yeah, yeah. I like the white chocolate pumpkins that they do. I mean, I love really? Reese's, but they are so good. <laughs> um, might might have bought a bag of uh, the Reese's Reese's Take Five, oh, which I had bought yeah. for the trick or treaters. I had like five bags of candy. <laughs> I've got some set up too. The Reese's Take Five has not made it to Halloween, but I <laughs> that one was the sacrifice so all the other Reese's candy could make it to the trick or treaters. <laughs> So. <laughs> the sacrificial lamb yes. of the, the Halloween candy. So, is that your approach? Because although we're we're lauding the efforts of those who hand out the full size candy bars, I try to just get a ton of candy and a wide variety. And I I'm usually out trick or treating with my yep. kids, so my mom will hand out candy at, at our house. But I try to just have a bunch, and I'm for the it doesn't. Don't give a kid one thing of candy. Fill them up. Yeah. Handful, whatever. But I got some of the Reese's Fast Breaks. Got some of the Reese's Pumpkins, the regular nice. ones. And then I got uh, the candy bar mix. I like the candy bars, yep. the, the Snickers, and those sorts of things. And then I even got some for kids who have like peanut or tree nut allergies. I got some of the more... Like the Smarties and those sorts yep. of things as well. That's what I was going to say. Shout out to Rachel. She does the awesome separate pumpkin with mm. things for kids who can't have it. So that is good. She's She stays on top of that, which is great. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad she does. But we kind of set it out since we don't have someone there. But I kind of go by like what our house rules are is, oh, you wanted some of that food? It was in the cover for three days. Your grace period is gone. <laughs> So my thought is, if you want the candy out of my bowl, first come, first serve. Get up there and take whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you're not the guy dumping the whole pumpkin into your bag. But, I'll just take this with me. But yeah, I have no problem. Just grab a handful. Take it with. So You mentioned popcorn balls, which under normal circumstances, I wouldn't necessarily seek out a popcorn ball. But my grandmother, my mom's mom, who was just... She was one of those people who everything she cooked, everything she prepared was good. Yes, and it just seemed exponentially better than any other version of it. Her popcorn balls were otherworldly. They were fantastic. And not some popcorn balls get so hard. Yeah. And these were gooey and just fantastic. So that, when I was a kid, was a big part of it, was stopping it grandma and grandpa's amongst all the trick-or-treating but going in there and taking a moment to have a popcorn bar and like eat one immediately and then maybe take a couple for the road and i'm not gonna lie like as i've gotten older i would eat a popcorn ball more now than i would when i was a kid sure like but i'm with you it's got to be kind of soft in that way like i don't want to break a tooth on it but, (laughs) but i'm with you so and i also appreciate and I'm guilty of this because we're busy and our kids are busy and stuff like that. I don't 
do as much. And I feel like people in general maybe don't do as much preparing something specific for, say, like Halloween or something like that. Thanksgiving, those sort of things are a little different. But like, oh, Halloween, we make popcorn balls. Yep. So that was always cool. And a special shout out to the Lafferty's and then the dentist's office here in town. Yeah. For, as a kid, you don't think the toothbrush is that rocking, but as a parent, I appreciate the fact <laughs> that you were thinking about my family's uh, teeth and gum health, so thank you. Because dental care is expensive. Yes, it is. So. Do you remember when we were kids, and, which this is good, but then it was all of a sudden like all over the news and stuff to... Like check your candy for razor blades and hypodermic needles yep. and stuff like that, which, which is a good message. Yeah. Be, be safe with those things, but it seems like that was the era of when we were kids that like that was getting a lot of attention. The say no to drugs thing was getting a lot of attention, and kids getting kidnapped was getting a lot of attention, which is good, but it just. Kind of terrifying things when we were kids yeah. to be all over the news. And be I like, just remember being like, how how would they do that? Like, I would see the package is ripped open. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna be a little suspect of that one, but right, I don't know. Right? Yeah, I remember thinking too. Like, this Snickers bar looks like it hasn't been tampered with. But anyway, what is your all time favorite Halloween costume that you wore? Oh man, that is a hard one. I'm going to have to go with, and you're going to be mad at me because I can't remember 100% which one it was. I think I had a Skeletor. Mm. It was either Skeletor or He-Man. I think my sister had the other, but it was the old plastic mask that oh, you put yeah. down with oh, the yeah. rubber band that hurt your your head. I know exactly. What you're I know about. I had one of those because that was like my store-bought one. Man, now I hate myself that I can't remember which one it is. But I know it was one of those two. Everything after that was, you know, kind of like you made up or whatever. But I think that one was my favorite just because it was the store-bought, like, that's the cool thing. You know, the one that by the end of the night, the entire costume, because it was made out of a thin, like, plastic, was just ripped out. (laughs) Yes. That was on my list is one of my favorites, too. As That's the first Halloween costume that... I don't know that I even remember wearing it, but I've seen pictures of it. And then I I remember having the chest plate and stuff still years later. Mm-hmm. So I remember the costume. But I had the He-Man. There was the metal chest plate that you Velcro in the back, and then it had the the you know, there's the plastic chest plate and then the plastic muscles. There'd be like, oh, yeah. like yeah. fake muscle, and then you would strap them underneath the arm. I think it maybe had like the the arm gauntlets and stuff like that too. Sword. But I remember being... I remember that costume, I guess. I don't necessarily remember wearing it. I've seen the pictures of it, but I remember that costume. Loved He-Man. And then you're talking about like the store-bought ones. My favorite costumes after that were... My, my mom was extraordinary at making costumes. And they were nicer and more functional than the store-bought ones, especially yes. in our era of the plastic thing with the rubber band. So I remember I was Batman, 
a few years in a row. That was after the 1989 Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman. So I remember my mom doing the the yellow the yellow Batman. logo. And maybe we'd even bought part of that. Maybe I had like the chest plate that was bought. But I remember her like making a utility belt nice. that she even like stitched part of it and things like that. So that was a great one. I was Gambit from X-Men a couple Halloweens. My mom totally made that whole costume because you're especially yeah. then you weren't gonna find some of these lesser known superheroes. That one was great, the trench coat and all that stuff. My cousin Dickie and I would for a couple years dress up together. And we're about the same age. But I've always been taller than him. And it always worked out so well for our costume. So one year we went as the Blues Brothers. Nice. And it was like the perfect height difference and the suits and the briefcase and the whole thing. So that was one of my all-time favorites. We just really looked the part and kind of a funny thing to dress up as when we were middle school age or whatever. And then another one my mom made for us is we were the Gruesome Twosome. So we played like zombie conjoined twins nice and had a big like 3x sweatshirt that we fashioned my mom fashioned like two head holes out of and then painted like the gruesome two smile and then we were all make up but our height worked perfectly so my arm could go around his shoulders and we could be in this shirt together and look conjoined like that and just had like the two arms out excellent so those are some of my favorites as an adult my We've done the family theme ones before. Mm-hmm. We did The Simpsons when Natalie was born. That oh, was that was good. That's good. But I think my favorite, and I have my Scream outfit on, which makes me happy. But uh, I think my favorite was, I think it was two years ago, Gavin and I went as Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire <laughs> in honor of the Lonely Islands uh, Jose and Mark video and song. <laughs> I, I remember that. And that might have been my favorite. We even got a like from from the Lonely Island on Twitter. So nice. I was very happy. And that, if you guys are listening, I'd love to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Lonely Island will meet you at the Royal Fork. <laughs> um, yeah, that is great. That is fun. I I like being a dad for so many reasons, but one of it is that you get to kind of do childish things again. So dressing up, we've done that too, the dressing up all together and stuff like that. Now as my kids have gotten a little older, their interests have diverged a little bit. So we've kind of taken turns. Last year was really one of my favorites because Claire got so into Stranger Things. It's her all-time favorite show, Stranger Things birthday party, the whole deal. So she went as 11 and I went as Hopper last year. And I really like that just because we enjoyed that show so much together and stuff. But since I dressed up with Claire last year, I'm dressing up with Mickey this year. And he wants to be Cable, one of our all-time favorite comic book characters. And I'm going as Deadpool nice. to go along with Cable. So that'll be, that'll be fun. What are... Because this is a great season. We've been talking about it at lunch, at school. Some of your favorite... doesn't necessarily need to be a Halloween-themed movie, but some of your favorite movies to watch in October during the Halloween season. The Scream movies, for sure. Yeah. I love the... I, Luke has heard this all month. I love mm. the Scream movies. <laughs> you know, the first Scream came out when I was 16, so that was just burn in for me. Mm-hmm. Um 
It's been kind of fun because I've been trying to revisit some that I, I feels weird to say, but like normally I'm so busy in this time of year that I don't get a chance to sit down and watch a whole lot of those movies. Yeah. Um, I revisited the original Halloween, mm-hmm. which I did forget how much he just drives around in a car. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sweet station wagon. You know, I don't watch like the Nightmare on Elm Street or the Friday the Thirteenth much. Mm. They just, but uh, um, Rachel and the kids watch Hocus Pocus. I didn't have a chance to watch that with them. That kind of came out when I was a cool teenager, so I didn't really watch yeah. it then. But as I was telling these guys at lunch. In 1986, <laughs> Disney made the ultimate gem of a Disney Sunday family movie, which was called Mr. Boogity. It is on Disney+. Plus. My sister and I, for a while, were convinced that we dreamt it up. Because it wasn't a big release thing. I told Luke, I at one point had bought a VHS copy of it off eBay in like early 2000s. Because I didn't think it existed. It is on Disney Plus. It's like a family scary movie about like a ghost, and I we watched that one as a family, which was great. So I was glad that I could share that with the family. <laughs> um, I like the Garfield Halloween. I know everybody goes to it's yeah. the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. I like the Garfield the Halloween. Garfield story. one is good where they kind of it's like the the ghosts, the pirates, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's a good one. I really like that one too. So I've been, you know, I've been trying to visit some different ones I haven't watched in a while, but I always gravitate to the Scream movies. They're probably my all-time favorite horror series. I like Scream. I like Halloween and those. I've never been a big horror movie guy. Just it doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah. Anything I'm watching, reading, I like to have an emotional attachment to it. So I do like when a, a horror genre movie I like it one of two spectrums, or either end of the spectrum. I like it where I'm really emotionally invested in the characters, or I like it to be super schlock. Like, just intentional B-movie level schlock. I don't really yeah. dig on so much in between. So, I, I do like things like It, or something like that, because... I like any time a band of children have to fight against yeah. evil, yeah. which sounds kind of goofy, but I like that because there's emotional stakes in it. But I've been, with my kids, not so much watching horror movies now, but introducing them to kind of thriller type of movies that I think they should see and know about culturally. So this month we've watched Jaws. They've never seen Jaws before, and... What a perfect movie that is. Jaws mm-hmm. is so good. And then we watched Alien and Aliens, the first two Alien movies, which are also fantastic. And it's fun now because our kids are getting to that age where you can discuss stuff with them. Yep. So Mickey especially, we can talk about like the three-act structure and how they set something up and how the idea if you show a gun in the first act, it's got to go off in the third act and how you set these things up and how you build emotional stakes and, like, watching Jaws, like, isn't Steven Spielberg very good at directing (laughs) movies? (laughs) That sort of thing. So that has been really fun this month. I think we're going to do a lot of that this weekend. That is Halloween weekend. Just kind of hanging out, watching some more of those movies that are kind of thrillers and kind of classic movies in that way. Do you have any specific plans for this Halloween weekend? 
Yeah, I'm going to the Ibka Basketball Clinic on Saturday, so I'm going to be gone most of the day. All right, fair but then enough. on Sunday we'll go trick or treating, all yeah. all that type of good stuff. So it's good. it's later this year. Normally it's the weekend before, so I was kind of bummed out. But oh, the but uh, the basketball clinic. But so yeah, I might just have to go dressed in my costume. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be good. that guy. But yeah, I'm excited to to trick or treat. It's I can't remember having trick or treating on a Sunday. In a long time, so I, I thought the same thing. And different towns are doing different things. I know even in our area, some are doing it on Friday night, some are doing it on Saturday, some are doing it on Sunday. Our hometown is doing it on Sunday. I'm kind of excited to try it, though. I, yeah. I mean, I'm just—it's not that it's bad. I just don't remember having it then. So that'll be kind of the the bookend to the weekend. So it'll be interesting where. Mm. You know, sometimes it's on a Friday or Saturday, then kind of watch a spooky movie or something. But it's yeah. But that'll be it'll be fun. I'm, yeah, I'm it'll be good. I am. I think we're gonna kind of front load our doing Halloween stuff on Friday or Saturday though, because I'm just sort of like, if Halloween falls on a weekend, do it on Saturday night. Mm. Then you can actually do it like a little more old school, where it's yeah. Let's stay out a little later. Let's that sort of yep. thing. But. It's but it's been a while since I think we've had it on actual Halloween, too, which is kind mm-hmm. of a cool thing. So. True. Do you have any candy in your house still from last Halloween? <laughs> if we do, again, I give Rachel credit because I would get to the point I'd eat what I want than just throw stuff away. But yeah. she usually has the container she throws the kids like random candy in. Mm-hmm. There's a small chance, but it's hard to tell. It's either from Halloween or Easter. Yeah. But it's been better where it's usually gone by this point now, but there <laughs> right. were years definitely there was stuff left over. How about you? I imagine we do. <laughs> I, I would, if I had to put money on whether we did or didn't, I would put money on we did have because we just threw out a partial container of the jack-o'-lantern oreos from last year just oh boy (laughs) because i like i get into this sort of thing i like to have a lot of halloween candy for the kids i like to do the the or this is one of the first years i didn't buy like all of the the monster cereal like the count chocula and booberry and, and that sort it of was the 50th anniversary so they had a mixture box and i have two boxes at home right now so <laughs> and that's amazing i'm all for those things but my kids actually don't eat a lot of candy and stuff mm-hmm. so whenever it's halloween or easter or even parades during the summertime we have so much candy it doesn't really get eaten and I'm kind of more of, if the kids are going to have dessert or something, do ice cream or make sundaes yeah. or something like that. We don't really do a lot of, like, have candy in between stuff. My kids like it fine, but they don't really seek it out. So we just have so much that sits. A lot of times I just bring it to school and the high school kids will ravage it. Yep. But if I, I forget about something, then I'll just find in a drawer or something like, oh, this is candy from... Two Easter's ago, or oh, yeah. some Halloween past, but that fiftieth anniversary box is cool looking because they made it look like the Archies or something like that, where they're all playing instruments. But there's no Count Chocula in there because that would be a weird mixture of Count Chocula, oh, Blueberry, and Frankenberry, and yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got two boxes at home right now. Here is your 
golden era of cereal and trivia question from when we were kids. So, of course, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Boo Berry. What was the other one that existed when we were kids? It's on the box, and I can't think of its name because I looked at it and went like, I don't remember that one. But mm-hmm. on the box, it gives the history of it, oh. and I just can't think of it. So, uh, it, it's a mummy, I think. It is a mummy. Yep. It uh, is yummy mummy. There we go. I don't remember that cereal ever. I don't really remember that one, and I couldn't tell you even what flavor it was. No. Nope. Because, and maybe it was like Frankenberry's strawberry or whatever yeah. it is, and Yummy Mummy was maybe some other berry. So it kind of, they were clouding their own market a little bit. Yeah. I don't exactly remember what Yummy Mummy was, but Count Chocula was always my favorite anyway. I liked, uh, I think I like Frankenberry the best. Hmm. I was more of the berry guy, but I like them all. Fair enough. I like chocolatey cereal if I'm going to have my choice. This is not Halloween related, but it's your all-time favorite cereal. <laughs> it would have been a tie between Fruity Pebbles and Lucky Charms. Hmm. Like, 1A, 1B. I would probably give 1A to Lucky Charms, but now as I've my palate has matured, hmm. I would go to Fruity Pebbles over Lucky Charms, just because I think I've had too many Lucky Charms when I, was, <laughs> when I first started teaching and buy the hmm. multi-meal stuff. But this is a weird one. So my sister always wanted um, Cocoa Pebbles. Mm. I wanted Fruity Pebbles. She usually won, so I wasn't a big Cocoa Pebble guy. Mm. So I've gotten older. I actually prefer Cocoa Pebbles right now. Cocoa Pebbles are good. I like Cocoa Pebbles. Again, I preferred Cocoa Pebbles to Fruity Pebbles anyway. But like now as an adult, I would say my favorite actual cereal would be the Maltomeal S'mores cereal. Oh, yeah, yeah. A good mixture of everything. Yeah, tip of the hat to the multi-meal. I don't, because I don't eat sugar, refined sugar anymore. I haven't had cereal in a long time. But it used to be like my deal. And not even so much in the morning, but like after school sort of thing. Giant mixing bowl of cereal. It's like the big multi-meal bag. Some nights I like it for supper. Oh, it is. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I, I love me some sugary cereal, but I don't eat it anymore. Um... So Cinnamon Toast Crunch was always my favorite cereal. Mm-hmm. And I, because I have not eaten I've not eaten cereal in years, but I am I correct and they changed what the squares are. They're like the almost the golden gram squares now. They're not the same as they were before. Yeah, they're they're very similar squares now. Yeah. They still taste good though. So I'm, uh, it may See, and I didn't I like cinnamon toast crunch as a kid. Yeah. My refined palate now. <laughs> yes, <like>. yes. <laughs> and I'm going to warn you right now, grape nuts and whole wheat, I will never eat you ever. I don't care. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Grape nuts I couldn't really get behind. It was like eating gravel. And there was a grape nut shortage. Rachel freaked out when she found grape nuts because she's like, you couldn't find these. I was like, how? You're the only person I know who eats them. I'm assuming there was a shortage because they made the entire stock of grape nuts in 1956. And so yeah. just now running yep, low. I would agree. Hmm. So I will never eat you healthy cereal ever. Yeah, I'm not. Cheerios are as nuts. close as I'll get. I'll tell you some frosted mini wheats. And again, I'm I'm using the name brands, but I was generic brand for everything. So cinnamon toast crunch is my favorite, but not really cinnamon toast crunch. It was whatever the Malto meal. 
Which is sad. Cinnamon <laughs> Toast Squares yeah. or whatever it was called. It's like, get the multi-meal Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. They should just call it that. Well, <laughs> so some of them are pretty close. Yes. But I think it's like Cinnamon Toast Squares or Cinnamon Sugar Squares. Whatever it was. But that, I thought, it may have just been my... <laughs> may have just been me, but I, I thought the multiple meal ones actually tasted better. And they come in the giant like dog food bag, which helps. Which, which is what I want. Absolutely. I don't. I don't need the box and stuff. But that I really liked the honeycomb style ones. I really liked peanut butter Captain Crunch and regular Captain Crunch. But regular Captain Crunch, you can only eat so much of before it. It's more a crunchberry guy. Yeah. Yeah. Crunchberry's good. Only cereal I can think of where it's like my mouth hurts after eating this. I think it's for. I think it's for your safety. I think they design it that way. So you don't eat too much? Yeah, because it's yeah. so delicious. They were like, like, maybe when they came out with it, it didn't destroy the roof of your mouth. So people just eat it until they like died, went into diabetic shock. So they're like, we had to do something. So they threw some fiberglass or whatever is in there to tear up the roof <laughs> of your mouth. So like, if you eat half a box of this, the roof of your mouth is going to be bleeding. You're going to have to tap out. We have some at our house right now, and that's what Rain's <laughs> been eating for breakfast. So That's good stuff. Newer cereals, and I say newer, came out when we were still pretty young. But the Reese's Puff cereal. It's good. Pretty good. I think what else? I would get on, you talked about like the whole wheat cereal. So some frosted mini wheats. I could get after some frosted mini wheats, actually. This had enough sweetness on there, the frosting. That was pretty good. I like that. There's some I don't fly. So. Oh, I get it. I get, <laughs> I get it. But uh, I actually like those. It was kind of the right... The right amount of just sweetness. Trying to think. I was never super big and I like Frosted Flakes. Didn't super. Every once in a while, I'll eat them. But yeah, I'm with you. It's too much. So anyway, from from Halloween to breakfast (laughs) cereals. You know what? Back to Halloween though. Something I never got into is candy corn. I was going to ask you earlier. So it's one of those things like... Candy corn and the candy pumpkins. Yeah. Like, I'm a glutton. So, like, if there's some, I'll eat some. Mm. But I'm sure not seeking it out. Mm. No. That is not for me. I'm not not into candy corn. And that's another thing. That it could be a fresh batch candy corn. It could be 20-year-old candy corn. Tastes the same. How would you know? How would you know? <laughs> On that note, I think we'll wrap up this Halloween Special edition of the podcast. Thank you for joining me again, Jason. It's always a pleasure. You know, maybe next year for Halloween, we'll dress up as the ghost of Dave Royal. That's stay tuned. Or maybe just the spirit in case he's alive. We stole his, uh, his essence (laughs) and we become Dave Royal Fork. We become Captain Fork. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing, bringing carved hams and, and cheeses with that skin on the top of it yes. to all the good children. And buffet cottage cheese. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you want your cottage cheese warm, mostly. <laughs> that's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the skins that would, <laughs> that would grow on top of the liquid cheese. <laughs> and we're just going to hand cheese skins out <laughs> to all, all the good kids who honor... Dave Royal Fork <laughs> in this majestic time of year. 
<laughs> On that note, we'll see y'all later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>